So where were you in 2017? Just think for a moment, just think for a moment, where were you five years ago today? What was going on in life for you? Well, I, I looked back and it was, uh, it was a Sunday, so I would have been working, and it was June 11th, not June 12th, and I had just, uh, the message that day was from the Sermon on the Mount on don't be angry, if you're angry, you murder. Uh, that was the sermon. I was working through a sermon series at North Valley Baptist Church uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. That's five years ago. Doesn't it seem a lot longer? <laughs> what has happened in the last five years in your life? Like, I had no idea I was moving five years ago today. None. I, that was not on my radar at all. It wasn't. Uh, the, the only thing I knew <clears throat> is a gospel chapel was looking for a lead pastor, and there was an associate that was working part-time at the church I was at, and I thought, hey, they should talk to him. Here I am. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> you know, to think about how old your kids were or how old you were five years ago and what you were doing and what's, what's happened since then. You know, we had a four-year-old that was coming five. I've got now a nine-year-old coming 10. I had a 14-year-old. Now I got a 19-year-old. Yikes. Who were you in... 2017, what was going on in your life? And where will you be in 2027, five years from now? <laughs> we have been through a lot in five years. We've been through tons. This church has been through a lot. At this time, five years ago, you had Pastor Eldon here doing a transitional ministry. You were six months into, after Pastor Henry retired, and there was, things were different, right? And then we showed up here in early 2018 and moved here, and we had a flood, and that affected some of you directly. We had forest fires, and then the plague and I'm really hoping there's no gnats and darkness and other things to come. And, and I'm personally staying away from any large body of water because it all started when I got here, so I'm just avoiding fish for a while. <laughs> but we've been through a lot, haven't we? Five years has been a lot of, a lot of stuff has gone down. And so we're looking today at where are we going for the next five years, and I, I, I know saying anything like that has to come with, with the warning in James. James, uh, in chapter three, I think he says, you know, don't be so foolish to think you know where you're going or what you're gonna be doing, because you, that's all in God's hands. And so everything I say has that caveat today that it's all in God's hands, because we don't know if we're here tomorrow. 
And we don't know what God's gonna do or how God may lead us or guide us, but we've been through a process of discernment over this last eight months with, with a small team. I'd like to introduce this team to you. It was, uh, Rob, are you here? No, they're gone, right? Yeah, yeah okay, so Rob and Cheryl uh, McIver are down at the coast uh, celebrating the life of, of Cheryl's dad. Uh, Rob McIver, Colleen Schieser in the back there. Uh, Lissa DeVries. Usually they're up in the balcony. <laughs> Lisa DeVries, uh, Rick Mose from our elders team, Jen Boschman, and Ben. And I just want to thank this group of people for all that they brought to the table. As we were, uh, as we were just discerning as, as an elders team, we, we said, who, who do we need to pull together for a vision team? And we said, it has to be people who, who kind of know and love the history of Gospel Chapel, who, who are who are wanting to see God do great things in this place and, and who have a hunger uh, to see, to see the, a, a new day emerge. And so I just want to thank this team. We, we worked together for eight months. Pretty much every second Sunday we had lunch together. We spent a good two, sometimes three hours together discussing where is God taking us? What is, what is God calling us to? How has God shaped us? What's the community needing right now? Uh, what are the challenges we're facing? What are the opportunities that are presenting themselves? And then we assign them books to read and, and all sorts of fun stuff. And as this team grew together, the, the heart and the passion for Jesus and his church just grew and became more evident. There wasn't many days where we didn't have to have Kleenex sitting on the tables. It was a great time together as we sought the heart of God. So I want to thank them and just acknowledge all the time and effort and prayer that they put into this process. Well, this morning we're going to just outline a little bit and like I'm trying to summarize eight months of like multi-hour meetings into one message. So that's why I gave the warning. <laughs> but... Um, I'm going to narrow it down here. First of all, what is vision? We talk about the vision for the future. What is this? What are we supposed to see? That's the first question. What, uh, in defining vision, what are we supposed to see? And the first, first question is, is well, the, the church has a mission. The church always has a mission. It's a mission given by Jesus. We are to be making disciples who will make disciples. The, the Great Commission that doesn't change, that never changes. We're not a church if we're not pursuing that mission. We're not a church if we are not loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. The greatest commandment, the great commission, this is what being a church is. Vision is different from that. Vision comes out of who we are today as a unique people of God in a unique place in history and a unique place on planet Earth. It's where we live and it's the opportunities and the needs that are right here with us today. It's a today thing. It's, it's looking at who is God called together as Gospel Chapel. And why has he done this? We, we, we've got to think about the sovereign providence of God and who is even in this room, who calls this home today. Not last year and not 10 years ago, but today because he has shaped us for his kingdom purposes. Vision comes from who we are today. 
And vision comes from what we love, what we value, what we fight for. And one of the things, one of the exercises we did as I, as I asked the question, what are the core values of Gospel Chapel? And we all kind of sat and stared around and I said, there's a big poster that you walk past every single Sunday. None of us can remember it. Then I asked the question, what really causes conflict? And this was on a congregational survey we threw out. And what, what causes conflict? What will we fight over? Because those are our real values. You know, in children and youth ministries, pretty high up on our, our core value list. It's not on the poster out there, but it is probably one of the top core values that Gospel Chapel has. And we proved that because the moment that Ben resigned as youth pastor, we said, who's next? And we struck a, a team and we knew that that had to be filled. And praise God, he has provided. And we're looking at a brand new day. I mean, we're going into uncharted territory now where we've got, we've got a third pastoral member coming on staff. As we haven't done this before. I haven't done this before. Ben, have you done this before? Nope. So we're, we're in new territory, yay. So we're gonna screw it up but we're gonna have fun doing it. And we're gonna trust God all the way. Progress. Progress, amen. Vision comes from what we love, what we value, what we fight for. It comes from the heart. Uh, I love how Will Mancini in God Dreams puts this. This is one of the books we read together as a team. The primary reason for vision and human body functioning is to guide and direct motion, movement. I had, I had uh, some, some friends in the church I was at in Edmonton uh, almost 20 years ago now, and they, uh, it was a blind couple, they came in and they folded bulletins for us. Now, you can fold bulletins when you don't do a triple fold thing, I found that out, because, you know, they can feel the edges, but, you know, their house had to be set up a certain way, and, you, you know, you don't move stuff around because they know where things are. Um, when we lose our vision... We lose our way of navigating the world around us. We have to, we have to come, we have to learn new skills to make up for it. But, but really, that, that's the primary thing. Our sense of vision is to help guide and direct our body. And that's what, why we need vision as a church. Got this definition for vision. For, this is probably one of the first books I ever read back in the early 90s on the power of vision. George Barna states, vision for ministry is a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding of God, self, and circumstances. It's, it's coming to that place where we understand who God is, why he has called us to himself, the purposes he has for his people, who we are as his people, who I am as a pastor, who Ben is as a pastor, who John is as a pastor, who Tammy is as our community care coordinator, who Lindsay is as our, as our office administrator, who our elders are, who our team leaders are, who our family is. And we understand who we are and what we love and what we value. And we understand the world that we're living in and the place that we, God has put us in. Vision comes out of that. You know, we made it through March 2020 to 2022 fairly well. We're financially stable. Our staff team is intact and growing, and that is not every church's story. 
We know many churches who have struggled deeply. The latest stat is that approximately 40% of pastors in North America either have or are resigning because it's just been so hard a journey. We've navigated significant challenges together and we're here today and all the praise goes to God. So where did we come to out of all of this stuff that we, we went through over the last eight months? There is so much for me to unpack here that I can't do it in one message. Ben and I are talking about doing some, some videos, probably at least a biannual, if not quarterly, message on where we're at, where we're going, and unpacking some of this, what, what I'm going to put on the screen next. But this, this is where, you know, after a, a few months, we started sensing God had a specific direction for us. And out of what we've just been feeling over the last number of years, even before COVID, but through it too, and the lessons we learned through it, we came to this statement of vision. Over the next five years, Gospel Chapel will intentionally slow down to make room for people to grow an unscripted community enjoying God in everyday life and the practice of Sabbath. We will pursue spiritual formation that results in God-centered living, heart-level faith, and relational authenticity with God and others. Now again, there's, there's a lot in there, and really every phrase could be a sermon in and of itself. Now by intentionally slow down, I mean, you're thinking, wow, we just had like two years of shutdown. What do you mean slow down? This is more of an internal thing than an external thing in many ways. What we discovered is that over, over the last few years and as, as we talked as a team and as, as we had input, you know, we've, we, we've got you know, a clinical counselor, we've got a guy working in the logging industry, we've got pastors, we've got elders, we're retired, we've got people with uh, children in school and, and who are all involved in ministry to some degree. We discovered that one of the problems that this solves is we have become a very busy culture. Our, our world goes at 100 miles an hour and doesn't have time to breathe, and it's so hard to form relationships that matter. Many of us are tired, mentally, emotional. Fatigue has set in over the last couple of years, and we need some space to stop moving so fast and grow deep in community and enjoyment of God in everyday life. Because we've been busy, we, we're, we're exhausted in many ways, we're disconnected, and this is a problem that, of course, the last two years has, it, it took out the microscope, it took out the, the, the telescope, and it made it big, and we saw more of the cracks as to how disconnected we are, and we need time to grow in that. And so there are some, those are some of the key uh, needs that we saw needed to be addressed as we move into the next five years. We saw the need for, for spiritual formation that came to the center as something that really needs to happen because we, we've kind of assumed that people are growing if they show up. But do we really know if we're growing in our heart 
faith commitment to Christ on an ongoing basis that deepens where the love of God is so all-encompassing that it takes over every decision that we make. That do, do we know that the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, uh, self-control is, is better in each of our hearts than it was last year? Let's not just assume that people are growing because they show up. And so we're going to pursue that relentlessly. Over the next five years, we have kind of what's called a horizon storyline. And I hope it kind of comes out on the screen okay. Ah, the bottom didn't come out at all. Oh, you can read it up there. I can't read it back there. That's fine. But some key elements in this is that we've got our, our, our five-year kind of pursuit. This is what we're going to drill down into. But we realize that our leadership capacity has to grow because how often do we say, we need Sunday school teachers, we need Sunday school teachers, we need Sunday school teachers, and we keep repeating the same thing over and over, but we're not actually solving the problem, so we need to solve that. I know ministries that have struggled for volunteers but are we growing leaders first? Because I think if we focused not on getting people to do jobs, but to develop people in their leadership capacity, the need, the, the need would go away. Because we're growing leaders. A discipleship pathway that says, how do we take people from curious about the faith to absolutely being sold out for Jesus? How, how do we walk with people in that? How do we walk with people questioning everything to, 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 to discovering the depths of what their heart is looking for and growing them? How do we walk with people that have had horrible pasts and lead them to healing in Christ? We need a discipleship pathway. We need to be in constant, persistent prayer through this all and congregational community is a foundation stone for this. So one of the things we're doing over this next six months is we've taken out of those three beyond the horizon uh, over the next three years, these will be our four focal points, but we can only do one at a time. And so right now, we believe that the key thing that we need to do is, is create congregational community because we've been through a lot the last couple of years that has eroded that and we need to regain a deeper sense of community with one another. And so from July to December this year, we will engage in deliberate, sustained relationships within our congregation to restore and revitalize community in order to make it the foundation for sustained growth, health, and kingdom impact. Because as we'll see in a few minutes as I read John chapter 15, without that, it doesn't happen. Thomas Edison said this, and I've got this on my desktop wallpaper on my computer now. Vision without execution is delusion. So, last year we also made a transition and we have an executive pastor. Same root word, execute. He's the executor. Very much my right-hand man as far as ministry and putting this into practice. 
and we're already moving on a lot of these things in the next 90 days. Monthly connections, we're doing that today. We've got family camp coming up. This guess who's coming to lunch. Over the next six months, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that happens around this whole thing of just getting together, being together, and learning how to just be together again because we've lost some of that. Our pastoral care team, where a number of people are gonna be phoning, connecting with people, because Ben and I can't do it all, so we've got a team of people that are gonna be connecting with you, community groups, triad guidance, th things to just help us get back together as a community. And again, this is a short-term thing, but it's very foundational because if we don't take care of community, then everything else falls apart. But more than that, it all falls flat without God's work in us and through us and among us and abiding in Christ. And so I know there's a lot more I could unpack here, but I'm going to get us to go to John chapter 15 this morning. And I'm just going to read this, and then I have just some quick observations about this text for us today. Well, let's stand as we read John chapter 15 together. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Actually, the, the Greek word for prunes and clean are exactly the same. You are already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, and you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is God's word. So vision only succeeds when three things happen, according to this passage, we abide in Christ, Christ, we are transformed by God's pruning, and we love one another. Often we teach this passage and we think it's just about abiding in Christ, but it's also abiding in community with one another. He repeats that a couple of times. So first observation 
Again, I'm going to hit these quickly. Our life and our health depend on the life of Jesus and the strategic pruning of the Father. Again, often we kind of, I think we kind of have, have missed the pruning element, so you're going to hear this a fair amount. Our life and health depend on the life of Jesus and the strategic pruning of the Father. We abide in Christ because he is our source of life and strength. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need constant life from Christ. And the pruning of the Father. The pruning of the Father. A source of painful growth and constant change. It's the part we want to avoid. It says if you're producing fruit, guess what? You get pruned. If, if you're abiding in me and the life of the vine is living in and through you, then you're going to get cut. You're going to go under the knife. As a follower of Jesus, guess what? You can't avoid it. And it might hurt from time to time. But fruitful following of Christ is coming under the knife of God and abiding in the constant life of Christ. Second thing, I see in this passage is that fruitful living abides in Christ and not a busy calendar. Doing lots does not equal fruitful living. Being with Christ, remaining in Christ, produces the fruit. And the pruning, maybe letting go of good things or, or something that produced fruit in the past. So if you've got a bunch of raspberry bushes in the back, what do you cut out at the end of the season? The dead stuff, but what is that dead stuff? The stuff that produced all the fruit that season. So sometimes the things we need to prune are the things that just, they, they have served their purpose. They were good. They produced an amazing crop, but their time is over. Fruitfulness is abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, and submitting to the pruning of the Father, letting go of good things that produced fruit in the past. See, all ministry fruit depends on the vital life-giving connection we have with Jesus Christ and the deliberate pruning of the Father. Third observation is that productive prayer only happens as we abide in Christ. Sometimes we can hit these verses and we forget the whole context. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, that's the condition. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But if you're not abiding in Christ, if that's not the source of your life and you're not abiding in his word, then don't expect your prayers to be answered. Again, this is about abiding and pruning transformation of our affections and a reflection of God's heart and praying into God's purposes. Jesus repeats this again at the end. Right? He kind of sums it up in verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that result clause, result from a result, a result of God's choosing you, a result of God's call on your life, a result of abiding in Christ is so that whenever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Again, the answer to our prayer is highly conditional. On abiding in him, staying with him, submitting to his pruning, 
and, a, and living out his purposes and praying into God's purposes. Productive prayer only happens as we abide in Christ. A fourth observation, and this is somewhat repetitious, but that's okay. Jesus repeats himself over and over in this so we don't miss it. And the order here is, a, is crucial. Fruit and obedient living is a product of abiding in Christ. Fruitful living, the, the fruit of the Spirit growing in us and obedient living is a product of abiding in Christ. It doesn't lead us to abide in Christ, it, it, it flows out of it. The order here is crucial. See, even our obedience, our will and our ability to walk in line with God's purposes grows out of intimacy with Christ and welcoming his pruning grace. And spiritual formation, this thing that we're gonna focus on, we will focus on spiritual formation in this next five years, focuses on both being with Jesus and God's surgical work of transforming our hearts and lives as he prunes us for his purposes. So fruitful, obedient living is a product of abiding in Christ. And lastly, obedient living plus fruit bearing equals loving community. So we can't separate abiding in Christ, undergoing the pruning of the Father from the fact that Jesus issues one command in here. This is my commandment, singular, love one another as I have loved you. You're my friends if you do what I command you. And in context, that means love one another as I have loved you. These things I have commanded you, abide in me so that you will love one another. So obedient living and fruit bearing create community. The family is so important in all of this. We are to abide together as a community. Jesus is talking to his disciples in this moment. In community, we're pruned together. In community, we bear fruit together. Community is the context for all of our growth and our healing because our pain and our brokenness, our dysfunction, our sinfulness always affects community. And so community is absolutely crucial. You cannot abide in Christ by yourself. Because Jesus says, you're the body. And each part of you is members of one another. And you can't do this alone. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So spiritual formation focuses on being with Jesus, coming under God's surgical removal of the sin in our lives so that we can become more fruitful. And he does this in the context of our community together. In fact, you could take this fifth point and you could move the plus sign and the equal sign to anyone. The loving community plus obedient living leads to fruit bearing. The loving community and fruit bearing leads to obedient living. That fruit, you know, you can take that any way. They're so connected, we can't separate them. Do you have a bulletin handy? Somebody got a bulletin with the insert. I need the insert. I didn't grab one. Thanks, Dustin. 
out of all of this, I just want to read through. We envision a community where people experience Jesus Christ and his family and find true and lasting belonging and purpose in life. We envision a community that experiences the transforming work of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit as we increasingly submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We envision a community that offers calm and restoration in a culture of conflict. We envision a community where broken hearts and homes are healed. We envision a community where biblical truth results in changed lives. We envision a community where serving one another is an energizing joy. And we envision a community that reflects the priorities of Acts 2.42, a community devoted to prayer, the study of God's word, and sacrificial fellowship. This is what we envision. Where were you in 2017? How has God worked in your life? How has he brought you to this place today? Where might you be in five years in 2027? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fact that you've called us together for your purposes. And Lord, we know that there's so much more we can unpack and a lot of specifics that are being worked on, being worked out. But Lord, as we travel this path together, we don't know what's around the next corner, what's around the next bend. There may be another tunnel, there may be a washed out pathway. We may need to make different adjustments, but Lord, we are confident that you are calling us on a journey with you. And Lord, first and foremost, we simply want to abide in you Rest in you. Know that there is no rest outside of abiding in your presence. The Lord, in, a, in a, a culture and in a world that is so distracted and busy and distorted and dysfunctional, you provide rest. You provide healing. You provide stability that this world cannot offer. And so, Lord, help us to breathe and breathe in your presence and stand amazed at what you are doing in us, what you have done for us, and what you want to do through us. Lord, as we pursue this with deliberate steps one after another we pray that you would just open the horizon to what you're calling us to that spirit you will guide us and direct us each step of the way in our hearts we make plans but you determine our steps yours is the future ours is simply to follow so, Lord, thank you for your leading and your guiding. And as we go from here, may we just joyfully rest in what you are doing for us and what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.